All right, welcome back everybody to the Center of College Football. I'm your host, Jeffrey Calhoun, as always reporting from the Center of College Football, Lincoln, Nebraska. I'm sorry, it's been a minute since I've posted an episode with this whole quarantine and coronavirus thing. It's just kind of hard getting into a schedule with everything. I know you guys know exactly how I feel about this. Um, But today we are talking about the Toledo Rockets from the Mid-American Conference. And Looking back at this team's schedule from the year, I kind of feel like they're the epitome of mediocrity. You know, this team finished 6-6. Six and six. They were second to last in their division. Um, the only team worse than them um, was Eastern Michigan, who they barely beat. You know, this team started off really well. Uh, they started off 4-1. and one. Their only loss to begin was against Kentucky, who they actually gave a bit of a tough time too they only lost by 14 they put up 24 boards against them on the road i mean you know decent game and they knocked down a byu team who had at that point beaten both tennessee and usc so i mean this looked like a team that was going to be really solid then they went into bowling green favored by 27 points and kind of got murdered they lost 20 to 7 against a bowling green team who finished three and nine and whose only other wins were against Akron and Morgan State a FCS team and literally the worst team in the FBS this year you know then they got blown out the following week next week at Ball State losing by 38 points they were sitting at four and three at this point Uh, won two more games sitting at six and three looked like they could you know finish out strong you know, maybe even possibly make the conference championship. And then it kind of fell apart. They lost their last three games and became the only 500 team to not make a bowl game. So, I mean, this team just was extremely mediocre to me. Uh, they, They didn't have a lot going for them. They had, you know, a good upset against BYU, but they also got majorly upset two weeks later by Bolton Green. So, I mean, you know, this team, I don't feel like a lot is going to change for them going into next year. They have a lot of um, production coming back, though, which is kind of nice. First off is their quarterback, Eli Peters. Uh, Actually, it's, it's their backup quarterback, but he had pretty similar playing time to their starter, Mitchell Gudagni, I'm sorry if I'm butchering that name, um, but Peters threw for over 800 yards, uh, completed 62 of his passes out of 105, um, wasn't a great rusher, only had 27 rushes, uh, his touchdown to interception rate was eh, six touchdowns, three interceptions, um, he's a junior, but, um, you know, I think he'll be able to be able to make a good replacement once um, Gudagni is gone. And then also coming back is their running back, Bryant Kobach, their rushing receiver, had almost 1,200 yards um, for 200 attempts, 12 touchdowns. This guy's going to be a junior. I think with a little bit more skill and practice, he can definitely make some damage for this Toledo Rockets offense. 
They also have Bryce Mitchell, their leading receiver, had almost 700 yards, nearly 20 yards on average per reception. That's pretty good, but he only had four touchdowns, so he could take the ball far, but he couldn't take it all the way. That seemed like a bit of a problem for him, so watch out for him. We'll see how this goes with him. And then they also have Drew Rossi, their tight end, uh, about 200 yards, not a ton, but he was only given 18 receptions, so he averaged out at about 13 yards on average. But like um, Mitchell, he couldn't take it to the end zone. He only had two touchdowns on the year. Not phenomenal. Um, they also do have a couple big losses. As alluded to before, Mitchell Gudagni, um, their leading quarterback, uh, their starter um, had over a thousand yards, seventy-nine completions out of his one hundred and twenty attempts, and a pretty decent touchdown to interception rate uh, ratio. Eight touchdowns, two interceptions. Per, honestly, not that bad. And this is going to be a big loss for him. But they are lucky that Peters will be able to step in, and they they have this skill coming in. Another major loss for them is their second-leading receiver, Denzel McKinley-Lewis. Not as good as Bryce Mitchell, but 36 receptions, 600 yards, 17 yards on average. But something's up with this receiving court. They can't seem to take it into the end zone. He only had one touchdown, which, again, isn't great for them. You know, this is definitely a problem for this receiving core, and... I mean, this is a big loss for them, losing a leading receiver when you already don't have a core that's that phenomenal. And then on the defensive side of the ball, they lose Khalil Robinson. Um, phenomenal defensive back for this team. Had three interceptions, um, you know, and 24 tackles. I'm sorry, scratch that. 45 tackles, 24 solo tackles. This was a great defensive back that is definitely going to be missed um especially being in one of the worst conferences in college football you gotta have what you can to make your team stand out because nobody pays attention to the mac and losing players like this is tough now looking at the recruiting class it's it's pretty solid for their conference it's 69th in the nation but it is number one in the mac that's pretty good, but here's the thing. They also had the number one recruiting class last year. Now, this means one of two things on opposite ends of the spectrum. Either A, they're stacking up pretty solidly to build a good team for the next couple of years, or they can't do anything with these recruits. You know, this, you know, the fact that they went six and six last year and seven and six the year before kind of shows that they may not be able to do the best things with these recruits. They're not able to utilize these guys as well as they can. Now, looking ahead to their 2020 schedule, you know, obviously they play all their normal opponents from the West, um, but they really don't have the easiest non-conference schedule. They have Central Connecticut State. You know, FCS team should be an easy win, but also on the schedule they have at Michigan State, San Diego State, and at Tulsa, look, you got a Power 5 team on the road. you got San Diego State, a phenomenal Group of 5 team, and 
Tulsa, who uh, this team was easily better than their record showed. They gave Memphis a run for their money. They knocked down UCF. They gave Oklahoma State a little bit of worry. And you got to go on the road to play them. I mean, this is a tough team to play. And then out of the East, they got Ohio at home, Bowling Green at home, and at Akron. Should be pretty easy wins, but again, that Bowling Green win showed that that's just not necessarily the case sometimes. This would have been the biggest upset of that week if it wasn't for Illinois beating Wisconsin. So, I mean, looking at this schedule... I see a repeat year. I'm looking and guessing another 6-6 six and six year. I think they split Tulsa and San Diego State. If I had to predict right now, and obviously this could change, I say they split Tulsa and San Diego State. They're definitely losing to Michigan State. And, I mean, you know, the MAC kind of just beats up on each other. I think they'll lose on the road at NIU and at Western Michigan and, you know, drop another game or two here or there. Um... But I mean, this just, again, very mediocre team, middle of the pack. We'll see what happens. If they get lucky, they could sneak into a bowl game, especially with the addition of, I think, four more bowl games is speculated. So that gives eight more spots for teams to get in. So we'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, with that, I am your host, Jeffrey Calhoun, as always, recording from the Center of College Football, signing out.